This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And you know what our goal is. We want to provide our listeners with some real facts, real stats, and some really good information to help you whether you're buying, selling, or keeping your home. And, um, you know, you wouldn't go into a football game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate's no different. And hopefully in our shows that we do each week, uh, we can help you prepare that game plan. To help me with this today, because I always seem to need a little bit of help. I, there's um, Today we've got Thomas Squeda of Grid Alternatives, which is a solar company. Is that right? That's right, Don. Okay, and welcome. Um, you're no rookie to this show. No, I think uh, you're, I, you honored me by allowing me to be here the second time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the ratings rebounded finally, <laughs> so so we're you're you're back on right on. All right, and then we also have Mike Foxen of Amerifund. Amerifirst Financial. Amerifirst Financial. Yes. So you're the guy that has a lot of money, and you you dish it out. Typically around eight billion a year. <laughs> you, you've done well. Uh, we're trying, Don. All right, uh, all right. Uh, Mike Foxen and Thomas Squeda, and uh, we're going to talk today a lot about financing, interest rates, yes. where the market is going on that. Uh, we're going to get an interesting perspective from Mike, um, and then we're going to talk, too, a lot about solar, and uh, Tom even brought up an interesting term, the history of solar. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we don't go back to the beginning of the solar system because this is only a one-hour show. <laughs> that way you invite me back for round two. No, no, I'm going to go that far back. <laughs> all right. Great. Um, first of all, Tom, what is Grid Alternatives? Grid Alternatives is uh, a nonprofit organization that began in California, but we're now international in the respect that we do work in Nicaragua uh, and Mexico. And uh, we do a lot of work in putting rooftop solar and ground mount solar for disadvantaged communities. Uh, we have seven offices in California. The one I represent is in Fresno. And uh, we believe that, uh, you know, to equal the playing field that everybody should be able to get rooftop solar and save on their energy bill. And GRID exclusively administers a rebate that is uh, available to us by the CPUC. So we pass that saving on to the homeowner that qualifies, and they get no-cost rooftop solar. So what is the CPUC? California Public Utility Commission. All right. Are they the ones that regulate, um, uh, it, let, let's say, PG&E, Southern Cal Edison? Yes. What they do is they regulate the three investor-owned uh, uh, energy companies, as you mentioned, Don, Pacific Gas Electric, Southern California Edison, and San Diego Gas and Electric. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, are you a solar company installer that anybody can call? And Well, yes, anybody can call. But as I mentioned, we exclusively administer these, these funds. So as you could imagine, there are some parameters and 
requirements and qualifications for people to utilize our funding and our system. So I uh, welcome people to call us. Usually uh, the folks that we represent and help are considered low-income homeowners or first-time homebuyers that have uh, limited income, you know, starting out in the world. Uh, they are our primary uh, customers. And we're able to install their systems with the help of not only our staff, but before COVID-19, uh, volunteers, much like the Habitat for Humanity model that everybody's familiar with in building homes. Yeah, okay. And I remember being out on one of your installations right, out on right. California and fruit. I yes, think. yes, at the Habitat for Humanity subdivision, one of the first ones built in Fresno years ago. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Don, for remembering that. And Don was very supportive, as he always has been, for the work that we do in the Valley. Thank you, Don. That's right. Okay. Mike, I want to turn to you. Um, what does your company do now? I, how do you fit into the financial picture of purchasing a home? Amerifirst Financial is a home loan lender. We have all the home loan products that are available, conventional, government loans. Uh, we're also doing what's called non-QM. Not subprime, Don, uh, but for alternative, and they're mainly for self-employed borrowers who don't show a lot of income on their tax returns. So what does non-QM stand for? Non-qualified mortgage. Okay. I've heard you talk before in your previous show so uh, on, on these little subjects and stuff. No, these are not subprime loans. We have a different way of qualifying a buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, this is self-employed borrowers is where these people fall into these categories. As okay. we, as we know they, they struggle with their taxes and wanting to win the tax game and then coming to us and realizing they lost the, I can't qualify for a mortgage game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had a client one time. It's like, you only make $5,000 a year? How, how do you live? Oh, they pay me in cash. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I, I, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to work, but it seemed to work well for him. Don, that's a weekly conversation, okay? <laughs> I'll bet, yeah. It's a weekly conversation. All right. So um, are you just a... Curious question right now. Are you starting to see more of the government loans in this current market than you saw, let's say, six months or a year ago? You know, from my standpoint, uh, no, it's been really a little bit more conventional. I usually run around 50-50 myself. I do first-time buyers. Uh, we do a lot of down payment assistance. But as you know, even though there's an awful lot less uh, competition to purchase a home, if you're coming in with a conventional offer, that helps the process to get an accepted offer. Why do sellers feel that uh, conventional is an easier, better loan than, let's say, FHA or a VA? They're under the mistake that the inspections are a lot tougher they're really not. If the appraiser sees something wrong, there's a hole in the wall, there's not a cover on a power outlet, it's all those things are going to be called. I basically see them as the same loan, but it's not perceived that way as I think you know already. Yes, I do. And I think a lot of that stuff used to be true. Correct. 
but it's not true anymore. No. So the difference between an FHA appraisal and a conventional appraisal is not very, very much, especially the newer the home. Now, it, it, if you have a home that's 70 years old, all right, maybe that FHA is going to be tougher because you got chipped and peeling paint to deal with. You may have a water heater that's sitting on the, the floor of the garage. Correct. Where, and I guess conventional, although I've seen conventional Conventional call that stuff too. Yeah. I've, I've seen it called. I've seen peeling paint, and then I looked at the pictures, and I go, okay, I got it. Because it looks like there might be pest or something that might be involved. Because pest report's not on the contract anymore, is it? That's correct, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, for our listeners out there, if you walk around your house, which you should do once in a while, and you see chipped and peeling paint, it's a good idea to scrape it and repaint it just for a maintenance item. Not only does it look better, but it's not as inviting to those flying termites. When they see that bare wood, that's like fudge brownies. It most <laughs> certainly is. <laughs> yeah. And so you're inviting a, a, a more expensive repair Correct. later when for a gallon of paint in a couple of uh, paint brushes, you could resolve the problem. All right. Um, and as we get deeper into the show, I want to get into uh, interest rates, where they're going. Sounds good. Yeah, because I think that's really on people's mind right now. Um, and then financing on solar. So, you know, we're going to take advantage of you two compadres being sure. here. So, um, by the way, have you two known one another for a while? Yeah, I think we... A month or two. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we met when we were 15 years old a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you didn't do very well in math class, did you? <laughs> huh? <laughs> All right. Um, going back to solar, what... Is solar the thing of the future, or is this a passing phase? Well, Don, from my perspective, I think solar is going to continue to be important to us in the future because of the uh, increasing cost of electricity. Um, that's why solar is there. I mean, it's, it's available where you can basically turn the uh, sunshine into energy to augment what you draw down from the utility companies. So it basically allows you to save money during, your, uh, during the months that you're in the home, especially in summertime when you have such a high energy bill. So uh, it continues to grow. It, it was designed and utilized a great deal historically because of our space exploration. You know, the extension cord doesn't reach all the way up to space, so they had to create energy to power those puppies. So, <laughs> so because of that and the continued advent of exploration and designs, integrating solar and roofing materials and windows and such, it, it is here to stay. Tom, only you could present that visual picture for us of an extension cord <laughs> on a rocket ship out in space. Stunning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Theater of the mind, John, the theater of the mind. <laughs> However, that, that is a great analogy because, yeah, that they did have to come up with an alternative source. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay, here's a, here's a thought for you, too, though. Why does it take an entire rooftop of... Panels. panels to 
to energize one home when you can put the entire internet on a little microchip that's the size of a fourth of a penny. Well, I was sitting here thinking, what kind of answer can I give you, Don? <laughs> Other than the fact that I really can't answer that question. But as far as the, the panels on the rooftop, uh, it's the design and the intricacy of how they, again, uh, take the sunshine and make it into energy. It takes a lot of silicones, uh, wafers to do that. And uh, as you can only imagine, of course, we use a lot of energy to power our home. So as people that have solar know that uh, they have to design a system based on the availability of roof space that may save them anywhere from 50, 60, 80 to 100 percent, depending on the roof space. And, of course, shading comes into play. How are those trees in the neighborhood affecting your, your energy that's delivered? Things like that. So that's why you see a lot of panels on a roof, Don, just to get that energy savings. All right. Thank you. It is time for our first commercial break, but let's stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. But there's a whole other me that you need to see. Go check out my space. Well, welcome back. Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio helping us out today, we have Tom Esqueda of Grid Alternatives. And we have Mike Foxen of AmeriFirst Financial. AmeriFirst Financial. I keep wanting to call it AmeriFunding, but it's... Uh, There's a ton of names that are awfully close to what our name is. All right. Um, I want to turn to financing right now because I think that's something that's on everybody's mind. We're hearing that interest rates are going up, inflation, gas prices, everything's going up. Correct. And affordability is going down. Um, is it fair to say that this is a time when people need to ask their professional loan officer more questions to find out how does it affect me personally? You know, a news report might come out and say rates are this high, uh, but how does it affect you personally? They should be having that conversation on a regular basis. I, I believe, as you realtors in the field know, there's nothing worse than getting two weeks into a contract and all of a sudden the borrower finds out where interest rates were really at when maybe they qualified three, four, five, six months ago. So we're in a really tough phase right now so everybody understands because one of the misrepresentations out there is where do interest rates come from and the first response you're going to get because if you're listening to the media they're going to say it's the federal reserve when they raise rates that's not true their job is to control inflation when they raise their rate, which they just did a couple weeks ago, three quarters of a point to three and a quarter, that is actually good for mortgages because that's, they're sending a message to the market that they're here to combat inflation. Inflation is what drives interest rates. Your mortgage is a long-term 30-year bond for the most part. Maybe it's 15 or 20, but for the most part, it's a 30-year promissory note. It turns into a bond on Wall Street. So if you're an investor, Don, 
and you've got a $400,000 loan and you're collecting $2,000 a month against it and you're, you've been doing fine with it for the last years, what's happened in the last couple months? The value of that bond is eroded. You can't do anything about it. So what's your only defense? You raise the rate that you're willing to pay for that bond. And that's what's going on right now. We're all getting these inflation reports and, and they're, they're kind of crazy because we haven't seen this stuff since you, know, you, and, uh, you and I a few years ago, right? Yeah, <laughs> a few decades ago. Uh, yeah. Just a few. <laughs> but, and, and that's what's driving, that's, that's what's running things up. It's getting harder to sell these bonds on Wall Street. So that's how it works. So what's going to happen here? And what's going to happen is the Federal Reserve is taking a lot of actions to curb inflation. After the jobs report yesterday, you can pretty much bank on another three-quarter increase come November. And then there's going to be panic again. But this is a good thing because we the economy is slowing down. The supply chain is starting to improve. Goods and services is, is, is what drives all this stuff. And the inflation reports that we're looking at, the thing that everybody needs to understand is when you listen to the news media, it sounds like it's that month. It's a month-over-month -month report, which means the new inflation rate that just came out replaces the inflation report from a year ago. It's 12 months all added together. Well, what happened and why the reports were high in August and September is last year in October and September, the inflation rate was low. It was 0 0.2, 0 0.3. Now we're coming in with 0 0.4, 0 0.5. So automatically you see, just like we did, the core inflation last month went from 6.3 to 6.5. The good news is, starting in October and there on for the rest of the year, the inflation reports came in at 6, 7 in those neighborhoods you're going to see lower inflation, which is going to help the market settle down, and you're going to start to see an improvement in mortgage rates. Thank you for having a positive take on this, because there's been so much negativity that it's good to hear something positive. It's coming. Uh, but I would, and you and I have talked about this, there's some wonderful opportunities to buy a home right now. And what we're doing, what I'm doing a lot to help people with affordability is, Don, if you're my realtor and they're putting an offer on, please don't try to discount the home. Go in there and ask for fifteen dollars to $16,000 to buy down the interest rate. Tell us about buy-downs. How does that work and how does it benefit the seller and the buyer? The seller, let's, let's, here's how it benefits the seller. I'm sure you've been out on listing appointments. Currently, have you seen one seller yet that has agreed with you on the price you came up with? I'm not hearing this happen very often. So their value is tends to be a little bit inflated because they're still thinking it's nine months ago. So typically what happens is then you get into this $10,000 or $20,000 reduction. How it benefits the seller is very simple. If they're offering $15,000 to buy down the interest rate, we take that money 
And that's exactly what we do. We do what's called a permanent buy-down. And to, in, in this week's example, with rates around 7%, we're able to buy with that money in a four dollars to $500,000 range, we're able to get them into the high fives, giving them a net savings of $250 to $300 a month. So you can actually buy the interest rate down more than 1%? Of course. There's a little trick to it. When you're putting the offer in, you put in, the, in your offer $15,000 to buy down the interest rate. It's in the contract. This way we get away from the high cost situation that's been imposed from Dodd-Frank from 10, 12 years ago. Because the money's all going to buy down the interest rate. It's discount points. Mm. Here's As what, opposed to saying it's for closing costs. Yes. Ah, I, okay, I got you. Okay, and there's times, and I've had this scenario too, we're doing a lot of two-one buy-downs, which is, this is an old tool, but let's again, let's use the argument, 7% is where your start rate is today. A two-one means your first year is going to be at 5%, mm. your second year is going to be at 6%, and your third year is going to be at seven. Again, the money, and typically my scenarios have been around $10,000, $11,000 where we've done that. That money goes into, for lack of a better way of explaining it, an escrow account with a servicer. They take the difference when you're at 5% out of that fund and apply it to the mortgage. You're still paying 7%, it's just the seller is picking up, in my scenarios, it's been close to $450 to $500 every single month to create more affordability. So uh, let me put it like this and, and tell me if I'm correct on this viewpoint. Okay. So the seller is prepaying the buyer's interest for the first one and two years. Yes. A, a, a portion of it. Yes. The difference between 7% and 5%. Yes. All right. See, you did a good job of explaining <laughs> it because I understood it. And well, I it, 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 understood it, it as well. Our <laughs> solar guy even understood it. What do you know? You know, as we talked about rates, and I told you where I believe rates are going to go, rates, rates are going to come down. Uh, I am telling every customer that has purchased a home since April, because that's when we had the spike, that you're probably going to be refinancing in a year. Let's get you the cheapest payment we can get you to make this affordable. And then we'll revisit this thing. Most people refinance within three years anyway, Don. You know that. It, it's So you're setting yourself up for success on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And one last tidbit on, on the permanent. Those discount points, team, are tax deductible for the buyer. Okay. So I don't know who doesn't want an, an additional... 15, 18 grand to come off their tax. It's, it's a pretty nice welcome home deal, isn't it? Yeah, that is. And this is why it's really important to deal with a local lender, somebody you can sit across the table from and discuss all your options. In fact, I think the visual that most home buyers would have is that they go see a loan officer, they're gonna be asked a ton of questions and they're gonna to have to give these answers and then it's gonna be, uh, no, we can't do it, or yes, we can. That's not how it works. It's a conversation 
about what are my options? You know, should I do a buy down? What are the pros and the cons? We're, we all go to the same well for rates. We're all pretty much exactly the same. And, but I know t the media, TV, and a lot of the internet companies do a ton of advertising trying to make you believe it's different than that. As we all know in this table here, we've all been in Fresno all our life. We all went to high school here, we all went to college here, um, and we're not going anywhere. We're here to help you get in the next home. It doesn't do me any good, or you any good, to, hey, we can't help you. No. What about the perception that some people have that, oh, here's this online company, big national company, I can go online and save money because they don't have a physical loan officer that they have to pay. That's a tough one for you, huh? Not really. I just want to be diplomatic here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don, here's, here's what I see. Uh, the Internet companies, for the most part, the people you're dealing with are taking a loan application. They're very new to the business. They haven't been through these ups and downs that we've all been through. Um, I'm a little more vested in, in this thing. I want to help you get into home. I want to get you the best deal, whatever that best deal is. If you got five people in front of you, there could be five best deals. Without asking some questions, I don't know what the best deal is until we take a look. But it's I, you're just going to get a lot better service here locally. And you know what? And I firmly believe this because I've heard it from too many real estate agents. An approval letter from a local lender goes a whole lot further than uh, Fred's mortgage and uh, whatever else out of Florida or Texas or. Absolutely. And that was in all capitals. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I have been in front of a seller before presenting three, four, five offers. And it, uh, the one that is pre-approved by some online company, it better be rock solid better uh, be, to beat out a lo reputable local lender. There's nothing better than being able to pick up the phone as a realtor and said, say, hey, Mike, as the loan officer, hey, Mike, how are we going to get past this obstacle? Or how do we do this? And, and we put our, our minds together and come up with a solution. And, Don, I'd like to add from my perspective, Mike's right. I mean, as a consumer, we want to buy the knowledge of people. We want to be supported by local people that are invested in our community. I mean, they're part of our our work and our, our livelihood here. So why would you want to deal, like Mike said, if somebody taking an application online that you're filling in the blanks? I mean, there's no person-to-person -person contact. So if, to me, maybe because of the age I am, I'd rather deal with knowledgeable people that have a history of years in the business. They're going to share their success, and they're going to make me successful. I like what you said. You're buying their knowledge. And with that thought, we're going to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. 
Uh, our board operator, Bobby Thistle, is really, really catching on to things without any prompting at all. Our intro music was Here Comes the Sun. Ah, excellent. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, Bobby. <laughs> so, so, speaking of the sun, let's talk solar right now with Thomas Squeda, the uh, outreach manager for Grid Alternatives. Thank you, Don. Yeah, I, Don, I think you wanted to hear a little history? Yes. I have an interesting tidbit because a lot of folks don't realize solar energy is very, very, uh, was created long ago. And in 1866, there was an Italian physicist, chemist, and pioneer by the name of Alessandro Volta that did a lot of work as far as helping to coordinate the uh, invention of changing light into energy. So the process is named after him, and we know it in science as photovoltaic, which is a technical term for turning light energy into electricity. So there you go. A wonderful tidbit you can impress your friends with this weekend. So what you're telling me, or all of us listening, is that um, solar goes back to 1866? Actually, further than that, but we don't want to go back further than that. <laughs> but what happened since then, and kind of bringing us to right now, is uh, back in the 50s, there was a lot of interest in creating more energy from the sun. A lot of work was done. Initially, it was uh, created through silicone uh, cells at the laboratory. In fact, it was Bell Labs out of L.A. that did a lot of work. But uh, it continued to, to uh, be investigated, research and development. And so they decided, you know, silicon solar chips is what we decided to do as far as energy creating the solar panel. So it wasn't until the 1970s of the energy crisis in the United States that our federal government decided to promote the continuing research and development into how you convert sunlight into energy. So basically at that particular time, it was an energy crisis, but the research and development stopped because in the 80s, energy did not cost as much anymore. So just like anything else, you know, the, the research said, no, we're not gonna invest that much money in it. But now we find ourselves concerned about the increasing cost of energy also the fact the increased use of energy because it is needed by so many more people now and as we have here in california we recognize the rolling brownouts or blackouts because here in california especially because of the fires uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, still overhead wires that come down because of weather and so forth and it leaves people unfortunately without energy so uh Solar came around with the idea that we were going to save on our energy bill, which it does successfully do for us, and uh, also to preserve possibly the f idea that we will create energy that we can keep on the lights in case there are rollouts and blackouts through the use of battery backups. So during a natural catastrophe, a hurricane like mm -hmm. we just saw in Florida, tornadoes, mm -hmm. How do solar panels withstand all that? Well, what will happen is, and, and this is where the current advent, if you've heard of battery backups, is important. Because what happens is what the energy you're creating on your rooftop is basically giving you credit. It's going back to the energy company. So they're actually giving you credit and you're lowering your energy bill. But with the continuing uh, advent of battery backups, now what you can do with your rooftop solar is you can create that energy stored in your battery so that when the time comes, like you said, done a hurricane or catastrophe or fire, 
and the utility companies go down. You as a homeowner or commercial owner have the ability to turn that battery on that will power outlets and electricity that you specifically target so that way you can maintain a lot of important things over 10, 15, 12 hours. So let's take a typical battery for a residential home here in the Central Valley. Mm -hmm. How long can, uh, how much power can it store store and and how long can you go off that battery usage? The average is, as a homeowner, you're going to have to consider which outlets are important for you to keep on. Your refrigerator, freezer, stove, you know, what is important to you. So you don't want it to power the whole house because you're going to have diminishing returns like two or three hours. So by targeting the things that are important to you, you can basically run anywhere from 7 to 15 hours, depending on, again, how those, how those uh, appliances are using that energy. And when you say the outlet, uh, identify the outlets that you need to use, so going and unplugging no. a, a, a clock or something that you don't really have to have? When you have the batteries in, uh, installed through an electrician, you can target uh, in your uh, electrical box, you know, the, the switches that of the, uh, uh, is it on your electrical meter, uh, as far as which ones you want that will be automatically stay powered with the battery. As soon as the energy goes out from the utility company, the battery will kick on and you'll still have uh, energy in your stove, your outlet you know, for the stove, your microwave, TV. Again, however you choose to, for many families, uh, they're concerned about life-sustaining items in the house. They have to keep that air conditioner to a certain degree. So uh, otherwise, it could challenge your health. So that would be a primary outlet uh, that they would keep on. Not the outlet you plug in the wall, but the, the switch out in the main electrical panel box. I was hoping that in your answer on how long the batteries would last, I would hope, hoping it would be days, but it, it, it's hours. But to show you how important hours is, my son, who live, lives in Florida and was hit by the hurricane that was just there a week or two ago, um, he lost power for six hours. So I, and um, that's, so I guess that that would have been very helpful. Yes. And when I say batteries, I I use the term plurally, but again, you can buy one battery and get that. So if you are concerned about more, you can actually purchase two or three batteries. And then of course, it's like anything else, you have that much more additional power. Mike? Tom, can you give us an idea of what the cost of these batteries were one for for a home? Right now, batteries range anywhere from uh, seventy five hundred to ten thousand dollars a piece. Okay. Now I say right now because of the fact that uh, just like anything else that you hear about in the market, COVID nineteen has basically limited the production and the distribution of batteries. So it's just like anything is on demand. You know, if you can find them, this is what you're going to pay. So uh, that's the way the market runs. So that's a good insurance policy. Absolutely. Seventy five hundred to ten thousand dollars. Yep. So again, the combination of having your solar tied into the batteries that you choose to purchase as a backup uh, help you to sustain the quality of uh, life and being cool in the hot summer months because you know when that air conditioning kicks on down and it's. Uh, 106 in Fresno, that's not cool air that's going through your windows. So if you can do that, then you just create the fact that everybody's much more comfortable. And Don, thank you for the example of your son. 
15, 10 hours doesn't sound like a long time, but six hours when that happens to you is a long time. Mm -hmm. And if you can diligently decide which ones that you're going to power up, again, you create 12, 15 hours of energy use for your house. He brought out a good point, too. He said he was able to save everything in his refrigerator. So that was kind of his key focus Mm -hmm. and stuff in the freezer. That's right. So, again, you're laying out the dollars initially for the purchase of your solar and your batteries, but you think of what it saves you in the long run. It's an investment. Mm -hmm. All right. Is uh, solar something that we're going to be totally dependent on in 10, 20 years? I don't know if I'd say totally dependent on. I think it's a great way to augment the energy we get from the utility companies. Uh, Again, it's natural. Uh, in California, we're blessed with six hours of average daylight over the span of a year. So we are the highest uh, producing uh, state as far as energy from the sun. So for families here in California, it is beneficial. Uh, and again, the sun is free. The initial cost, of course, is the system. But once you invest in it, um, you know, it's, a, it's a great way to rechannel those dollars in your pocket. So, and I'm going to take it that solar is kind of a local issue, too, because over here we have a lot of sun. Maybe if you lived in Minnesota, solar's not as hot hot of an item. Yeah, it's state by state. And as we know as Californians, we we seem to see an increase in our cost of electricity on an almost annual basis, thanks to the three energy, uh, excuse me, investment-owned energy companies. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Do they wait a whole year to? To raise it, it seems well, like so more often than that. But I'm just being. It it, it all depends on when the uh, California Public Utility Commission decides to hear their request for rate increase and the justification for that, Mike. So, yeah, but it does I sound like every six months. Sentence. <laughs> yes. He's just being a typical consumer, <laughs> <laughs> which we all are. Yeah. Down down to the basics. It just yeah. seems like it's yeah. every time you blink your eyes. There's congratulations. Rates just went up. But to reaffirm the. The growth of solar, Don, the utility companies themselves are investing in solar. If you look out over a lot of the landscape of California, you see these large solar community arrays, acres and acres, and our utility companies are investing and partnering in those. So they are making energy and selling that energy back to us through the sun. I just took a drive down to Avenel, and when I was on the Avenel cutoff, I saw acres and acres and acres of solar panels mm-hmm. i mean i would call that a huge solar farm yep and there are larger ones in the desert down towards uh, a border between california and nevada so you're absolutely right i mean uh, farming property that uh, because it's not uh equitable it's not efficient now to do a lot of farming because of different things in the water and so forth and now as we know the cost of water and the drought you're going to see a lot more use for solar, solar farms. All right. With that thought, we need to go to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Thomas Squeda of Grid Alternatives, a solar solution, and we also have Mike Foxen of AmeriFirst Funding. 
Did I say it right? Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got the Mike Foxen part right. That was that part that counts. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Tom, I want to get back to you on grid alternatives. Um, what you do more than just install solar. Yeah, Don, you know, we are unique in the industry in the respect that we are invested in the community. We talked about that earlier with uh, some of our show and that we also train individuals that want to get employed in the growing solar field. We have a standardized five-week training program, and we've been very successful in getting 80, over 80% 80 of the graduates getting jobs within the first 48 hours of graduation. Uh, we work with our affordable housing partners. Don, we mentioned the history of you participating in installation with a Habitat for Humanity work here in Fresno. We do a lot of work with affordable housing developers like the Fresno Housing Authority, Self-Help Enterprises. So we're really, really uh, uh, working hard to not only help people get into homes like we're talking about today with lending and, and the, the real estate market, but also help people succeed that are uh, making it their first time investment. You know, that they are able to keep their energy bills down and therefore they have more discretionary income to take care of their families and succeed in making their mortgage payments. So. That's basically what we do in serving the community in a nutshell, Don. Thank you for All right, asking. All right, good. So there are uh, job opportunities out there also in the growing solar field. Absolutely. That's why the companies come to us, because they like our graduates. Excellent. Uh, going now back to Mike Foxen on financing again. There's a key word out there that people are talking about right now that seems to be putting fear. Correct. And that's recession. Correct. But I'm not sure what's worse, recession or fear. Just my own personal take. I'm not going to try to answer that one. <laughs> okay, good. But I'm just going to kind of <laughs> be clear about where we're at right now. Uh, as I said earlier, inflation drives mortgage rates. Every time in our history inflation goes up, mortgage rates go up. When inflation comes down, mortgage rates go down. Right now, we have the Federal Reserve raising money. They're trying to control inflation. What they have done every single time in history is they raise us into a recession because they keep slowing things down, slowing things down. So one of the positives of a recession is that mortgage rates will also come down. Again, every time we've gone into a recession, mortgage rates come down. The market slowed down, and it's a very much better environment for the investors and for bonds on this. Because remember, your more home mortgage is a 30-year bond. So how do we know we're in a recession? Because we're getting some interesting comments on it from the government right now. They say, I know about it because I read about it in the newspaper. Well... <laughs> we have, okay, that was halfway a joke. We have two quarters right now of negative gross domestic product. Every time in our history we've had two consecutive quarters, we've gone into a recession. We're headed for the third here really fast. And again, like I said, the Fed is going to continue to hike. They're going to raise in November. They're probably going to raise in December. So the good news is the combination of inflation coming down and going to recession is going to reduce your mortgage rates. And we've seen this, like I said, time over time. And, but the thing that's important to keep in mind is housing is going to stay strong during this. 
And we keep hearing housing bubble, right, Don? We keep hearing it. So what are the real numbers? And who are these people that are coming up with this bubble? Because when you look at the numbers that are out there, currently we have approximately uh, 1.3 million homes listed, right? But there's a little trick to that stat. It includes houses and contract, doesn't it? At any given time, we're running around 500 plus homes in contract, which really means nationwide, we've got less than 800,000 homes available. We have a thing called household formations. One of the things that happened in 2006, that was the highest year in record of new home construction completions, the highest. And it hasn't been close since. But that year, we can look back in history and get an idea of another thing that caused our problem, the bubble, besides the crazy loans that we did, is the first the age of a first-time home buyer is 33. We go back in history to 1973, you're gonna see birth rates fall significantly down, and they stayed down through the 70s, up until we get close to the 80s and the millennial generation started. The millennials right now are 33 years of age. We are still, in this state, we are not building enough homes. It's not even close. I, I, I've seen the numbers. This, this state needs 170 to 180,000 new homes a year. We need, we're building 70, 75. So for all the bubble people, supply and demand is mm -hmm. what is making continue to keep the housing market strong. You said something that kind of lit me up here, and that is we are all t hearing about the housing bubble. And who are these people saying that? I would like to answer that because I, as a real estate broker, I get tons of emails that talk about the housing bubble, the tsunami of foreclosures coming to this but when you read on you find out it's a data company selling their data um, and for 185 dollars a month i could subscribe to that well it's the old clickbait you know they're trying to get me to click on that and subscribe and so they can make money by that big headline tsunami of foreclosures coming uh, excuse me those clickbait people but i i don't see that here, here's another example, and, and I won't mention the person's name that's on a very prominent business channel that started in 2015 talking housing bubble, housing bubble. And let's use the example of a $300,000 home, and I'm not going to go through the whole stats, but if you would have listened to this individual and not bought a home in 15, 16, 17, 20, 21, you would have given away close to $250,000 of equity or wealth, however you want to look at it. But we hear that from a lot of these talking heads all the time. And not only the $250,000 in equity you would have, but the fact you didn't have your home for all those years, a place that you could have planted a tree, you could have painted the bedrooms uh, it, with your style, maybe Dodger blue. Maybe not, Don, but uh, that's a topic for another uh, show. Uh, 
or as I tell my customers, I go in during the year, because the loan process can be challenging, isn't it going to be great to have your first Thanksgiving in your family in your home? Bingo. Well said. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple of minutes left, so I want to ask Thomas Squeda, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion on solar? Solar is a great investment. Solar not only saves you money, but you're cleaning up the environment. Uh, if you put up a system uh, that we actually are going to do like one in Visaya, which is a small system, it's like taking 16 cars off the road. And as for many of us here in the Valley, we have family members that are challenged by asthma and breathing problems. So not only are you investing in your house and you're saving money and energy, but you're actually helping the pollution in our environment here in the Central Valley. So it's a great way to do business. And uh, for those that need help, give us a call if we can help you at Grid Alternatives. All right. Mike Foxen, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion on financing? Please don't let interest rates make a decision on buying a home. The purchase of a home is way bigger than that. Rates are gonna get better. We have ways to help you make this home more affordable right now. And because there's, this isn't a housing bubble, we have sellers that are contributing to your, to your cost, to your interest rate, to make this thing more affordable for you. And we are not in a housing bubble, Don. I, I know you know that as well as I do. Please understand that and not make a decision based on that. I had one earlier this week that um, it was a listing. It was on the market for three weeks. Okay, so I panicked a little bit. But all of a sudden, in a 24-hour period of time, three offers came in on it. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that's um, that's not a bad market. No, no, it's not. No, not a bad market at all. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today, sharing your knowledge, your expertise with us, and um, we'll be back again next week. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio on 940 KYNO. Thank you.